we were trying to estimate how long we've known Peter, we suspect it might be as long as 20 years. Peter, around about that. We're getting old. Actually, I think you look just the same as you've always looked, Peter. Yeah. And, um, but we haven't seen Peter for a number of years because of COVID and that sort of thing. And I'm just delighted that Peter's with us today. Now, Peter's got an unusual ministry in that he uses music to communicate the Word of God. He also preaches the Word of God. But I believe that Peter has a word from the Lord for Real Life Church today. So he's going to preach. Our job is to make sure our ears open and our hearts open. Ladies and gentlemen, could you put your hands together for Peter Shirley? Thank you. Thank you, Real Life. Good to be back. Thank you, Pastor David. Would you like kids to get rid of these, or are you okay with the pulpit there? Oh, we can leave it there yep. for now. Okay. It's great to have the kids in, because they're so enthusiastic about the violin.
Beyond the changing of my mind Though my deepest fears abound You're the one Through a dark and sleepless night When the sun just won't break through When nothing's going right Lord, you're the one You're the one who calmed the sea You're the one who healed the dying You're the one who walked on water And turned the water into wine You're the one who lived and died To set the captive free And you did it all You did it all for me Beyond the burden of my heart Beyond the trouble that surrounds Though my life be torn apart You're the one 
When there's no one left to hear When there's nothing left to say When there's no longer any tears Lord, you're the one You're the one who calmed the sea You're the one who healed the dying You're the one who walked on water And turned the water into wine You're the one who lived and died To set the captive free And you did it all You did it all for me So the children are heading out. Thank you, young people. Absolutely awesome. Thank you for sitting so beautifully. Trust you enjoyed that. Have a great, great morning in kids' church. What do you call it? Kids' children's church. Absolutely awesome. Hey, um, I played the violin. And uh, started playing the violin when I was eight. And uh, it just became the singular focus of my life. Just became so passionate about playing the violin. Thought it was really cool in primary school. Discovered it wasn't in high school. (laughs) Neither's the surname Shirley. (laughs) And neither was growing up in a suburb of Wollongong called Fairy Meadow. (laughs) It's not your childhood. Feel free to laugh. So, uh, yeah, however, (laughs) I overcome those insecurities and here we are today. Now, uh, I must uh, um, warn you about this next piece. It's for all the country music fans. Come on. Yeah. Awesome. Everybody else is lying. 
Because country music is the largest selling form of music on the face of the planet. I don't know if you knew that. It's true. The most commercially successful form of music in the world today is country music. Confirming my belief we're living in the end times, but um, (laughs) maybe that's just me. Now, um, wherever I travel in the world and play this piece of music, people just can't help themselves. They do something that is synonymous only with country music, and that's the habit of doing this. Yeah! So I got no idea what that is, why they do it, what it means, why they do it in country, why they only do it in country, you don't do it at the opera, but it's okay in country music, so Um, I do have one exception to the whole wherever I travel in the world thing, people do this, um, and that's Myanmar, Uh, I've travelled to Myanmar uh, 25 times since the year 2000, it's a country that I love and, and our hearts are breaking for what's happening there at the moment. Pray for the people of Myanmar. Uh, but my first visit there was in the year 2000, I was asked to give a series of concerts around the university district and uh, first night, 3,000 people, I'm thinking this is amazing. And uh, so I thought, I know, uh, I'll introduce the Burmese folk to a little bit of country fiddling and I'll introduce them as well to the concept of yee-hawing during the playing of country music. Who else has a file marked, it seemed like a good idea at the time? (laughs) Yeah, well, this is top of the pile for me. Um, And you need to appreciate the whole night was being translated. And so I demonstrated a yee-haw as I have for you guys this morning. And then I invited the audience to yee-haw back. And they just started laughing hysterically. And I'm thinking, this is great. This is great. Uh, Then I even got two little children up on stage to do a yee-haw contest to see if the boys could yee-haw louder than the girls. And by the time all this was done, uh, they're just laughing so hard. And I'm finally thinking, there's something going on here. And it was only when somebody politely came out of the front row of the audience and leant in and said, your translator's name is yee-haw. (laughs) Seemed like a good idea at the time. Okay, we're not in danger of that this morning, so I want to hear a big real-life yee after three. One, two, three. Yeah, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Thank you. 
Thank you. Thank you very much. Now let me tell you why I hate that piece of music. I wrote that when I was 17, didn't have to think about it too much, took me about 10 minutes. And to this day, it remains the single most requested thing that I play. And all this other stuff that I kind of poured my heart and soul into, they go, that was okay, but can you play the country thing? So thank you for uh, clapping louder than anything else I've done this morning. That's uh, absolutely <laughs> awesome. Hey, uh, I, uh, since I was last here, well, actually, um, haven't gone very far at all in the last couple of years, but uh, uh, the one gift I think COVID gave to us creative types who normally spend so much time traveling uh, is time just to sit and be creative. So uh, through COVID, I... Uh, wrote and recorded uh, a brand new album called A Change of Scenery, which looks like this and by some bizarre coincidence is available in the foyer this morning. Um, So I have old school CDs, I also have download cards and I also have what we call the Platinum Collection, which is um, five of my current albums on a uh, plug and play thumb drive that can go into your car or your device, whatever. Um, So anyway, this is Change of... Who would like this? Uh, okay, I, I think uh, this gentleman over here was one of the... F- and he also said, yes, please. He employed very good manners, so... <laughs> Wonderful. And what is your name? Correct. There we go. So the title track, A Change of Scenery, um, the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5 and 17, he says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... They are a new creation. The old has what? Gone. And the new has come. And and I want to encourage you. We need to live as new creation people. If you don't know Jesus, if you have not yet crossed that line of faith, you need to understand that you have a God who loves you and accepts you just the way you are. You know, when I was a young man starting to explore issues of faith, I looked at my life and thought there's so much about my life that just is not acceptable to what I understand of a holy and righteous God. And so it kind of became an excuse for not pressing in. And instead I withdrew because I was really aware of my own issues, my own struggles, what the Bible calls sin. And uh, I thought, well, just on that basis alone, I, I can't have a relationship with God. But then I discovered something so wonderful about the love of God that in Christ Jesus we are declared righteous you know uh, the writer of Hebrews says therefore we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens Jesus the son of God let us hold firmly to the faith we profess for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses but we have one who has been clothed in every way uh, who who is uh, what is it I've gone We have one who's been tempted in every way, yet was without sin. Uh, Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. I I did that without reading it. How good is that? Hey, uh, here's the wonderful thing. Jesus identifies with us because he's walked in our shoes. But something more than that, the Bible tells me when I give my heart to Jesus that I actually take on his righteousness. I become clothed in his righteousness. And this is the hope of a relationship with the God of the universe, that when he looks at me, he doesn't see my sin and my failure and my past. He looks at me and actually sees the righteousness of Jesus because I've clothed in his righteousness. And that's the hope that we have, that God loves us just the way we are because of what Jesus has done for us. 
But he also wants to transform us from the inside out to begin to reflect more of his glory. So I want to encourage you this morning because we have a very real devil who loves to continue to drag us back to our past. And he loves to remind us of our failure. And he loves to whisper lies into our, into our ears saying, who do you think you are? Look at where you come from. You're not worthy. You're not worthy. You're not worthy. And how easily we believe that lie. And again, it causes us to withdraw. But I want to remind you this morning that you are counted worthy. If anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. That's our confidence. And that's a very long introduction to a very short song. But this is the title track of the new album, A Change of Scenery. To reveal all that's true 
to be the messenger of peace to bring the hope of grace into the darkest place shadows fade and battles cease and it begins in me a change of scenery Let's pray, hey? Father, we want to thank you so much for your goodness. Father, we thank you for all that we can take a hold of because of what Jesus has done in obedience to the will of his Father. Transform us. And Lord, as we gather for a few minutes around your word, I pray, God, that it would sow seeds of truth that it would stretch us, challenge us, change us, renew us, convict us. That's the power of your living word. So we invite you now by your Holy Spirit to breathe your life into us through your word in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let's turn our attention to the screens for a few minutes. I don't know about you, but I find that very, very sobering. And this morning I want to talk to us and challenge us about the basis of authentic worship. What, what does authentic worship look like? Because one of the things that I'm fearful for the church in the West, and, and I praise God for where we live, as we should. But what sometimes bothers me, and I think we've got to be so uh, very, very cautious in regards to what I call subjective worship. Subjective worship. I think at times we've made the habit of worshipping God's performance instead of worshipping God's person. Can I say really respectfully and, and recognizing that the struggles and the trials and the problems of life are very real. And I don't want to in any way minimize that this morning. But if you can't worship God because of a problem that you're facing, you're worshiping the problem. We have to learn to worship God for who he is. This is why these clips are so incredibly powerful and so incredibly challenging for us. Subjective worship says, well, if God's been good to me this week, 
Oh, I'm going to get along to church. I'm going to arrive early. I'll be sitting right down the front and I'll be raising my hands higher than anybody else and singing louder than everybody else. But if I've had a bad week, I'm going to arrive late, stand there in the back with my hands in my pocket and I'm not singing for anybody. That's subjective worship. What's the basis of real, authentic worship? Because the most awesome worship in the pages of God's Word happened in the most unlikely and unusual of circumstances. Look at Job. Wow. We're introduced to him in this way, Job 1 and 1. In the land of Uz there lived a man whose name was Job. This man was blameless and upright. He feared the Lord and shunned evil. So here is this devout, blameless man before God. And then in the space of 24 hours, his whole world just comes totally crashing down. Verse 13, one day when Job's sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house, a messenger came to Job and said the oxen were plowing and the donkeys were grazing nearby and the Sabians attacked and made off with them. They put the servants to the sword and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, the fire of God fell from the heavens and burned up the sheep and the servants and I'm the only one who has escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, The Chaldeans formed three raiding parties and swept down on your camels and made off with them. They put the servants to the sword, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, yet another messenger came and said, Your sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house when suddenly a mighty wind swept in from the desert, struck the four corners of the house. (coughs) Excuse me. It collapsed on them. And they are dead and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. Now, I don't know about you, that's a pretty bad day. But his response to a bad day was not to stand in the corner and pout like some spoiled child. Not to get mad at God and to blame God for the worst day of his life. And neither was his response a false expression of praise. Well, I'll just plaster a smile on and shout hallelujah anyway. Uh, Friends, it is okay to be real with God. We've got to be real with God about the very real issues and struggles that we face. It's okay to wrestle with God. I love the Psalms. And there's many of them we sing and they're so inspiring and joy-filled. But a third of the Psalms are laments. There are crying out to God. You see it in David's writings. Lord, where are you? How long do we have to wait, God? Why have you abandoned us? And he's very real with God about his emotions. But even David then flips whenever he makes that kind of accusation against God. He's just being real with how I'm feeling right now. But then he encourages himself by reminding himself of God's faithfulness in the past. He'll be faithful right now and he will be faithful to deliver, to, to deliver in the future. Amen. And so for Job, his response on the worst day of his life tears his robe, shaves his head, which culturally are signs of very, very deep grief and mourning and loss. It's okay. Be real. God wants us to be real. He can handle it. 
But then it says, then he fell to the ground in worship and said, naked I come from my mother's womb and naked I will depart. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. Wow. That's authentic worship. There's a beautiful footnote in Job 1 and 22. In all of this, Job did not sin by blaming God. In all of this, Job did not sin by blaming God. And if you're familiar with the story, God restored and then some, everything that he lost. One of my favorite stories in the Old Testament is actually uh, centered on a king called Jehoshaphat. Uh, who reigned in Judah, and he was a godly, godly king. But there is a moment where we read about in his reign where there were three surrounding nations conspiring against them, Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, and they were going to declare war. In the natural, this is a totally unwinnable war, and what I love about Jehoshaphat is his godly leadership over his nation. So he calls the people together in Jerusalem and in the temple he stands up. And, and I love this. This is a bold, courageous, godly leader. 2 Chronicles 20 and 12. Oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. What, what a leader to say in front of the people, I don't know what to do. But our eyes are upon God. And then a prophet speaks up in the camp in verse 15. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. For the battle is not yours. The battle belongs to the Lord. Amen. And then the story gets totally crazy. Because God gives to him a rather unique military strategy. And he says, Jehoshaphat, I don't want you to go into this battle uh, with a display of military might. I want you to do things totally differently. Uh, Instead of the front lines of your army being made up of your most experienced fighting men, your most skilled fighters, your most trained fighters, uh, we're going to do it just a little bit differently. Let's look at verse 21. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army. Saying, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. And as they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon, Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah and they were defeated. How did this happen? Verse 23, the men of Ammon and Moab rose up against the men from Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them. After they'd finished slaughtering the men from Seir, they held to destroy one another. Judah didn't have to lift a finger. And I love this. God says, Jehoshaphat, we're going to totally do this differently. And the way that we're going to destroy the army is this. I'm going to set them into such confusion that they're going to destroy each other. But the way we will set the enemy into confusion is that I want the front lines of the battle to be made up of those who sing and praise and creatively worship me. Who wants to be on the worship roster that day? But it's a great story and it's a great principle. Here is Jehoshaphat walking into his worst nightmare, walking into battle, massively outnumbered, everything stacked against him. And the Bible says as they walked into battle 
as they walked into a nightmare scenario and you might be facing a nightmare scenario today. They were singing praise the Lord. In fact, they were singing give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. And that is worship that is uninspired because there's nothing that you can draw from that scenario that would make you feel like worshipping. But here's the principle. In your deepest moment, your deepest trial, the, the, the greatest challenge that you might face, the devil wants you to withdraw. When the last thing that you might feel like doing in any circumstance is praising God and needs to be the first thing you do. Because the principle here is it actually sets the enemy into confusion. You start doing that in the face of trial, the enemy doesn't know what to do. So we take a hold of this. You know, the first reference to worship in the Bible where the word that we translate worship is used is again in another surprising setting, and it's the greatest challenge of Abraham's life. Genesis 22 and 2, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love. Go to the region of Moriah, sacrifice him then as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. And you've got to understand, every promise that God had made to Abraham was all wrapped up in this son Isaac. Because God had promised to Abraham, Abraham, in your old age, I will give to you a son. From that son will come a nation. That nation will bless the world. And from that nation will come the seed of the Messiah. All of that is wrapped up in Isaac. Now God says, take your son, Isaac. The only one who makes it possible for any of my promises to you to be fulfilled And offer him as a sacrifice. Can you imagine for Abraham the confusion, the pain that all of that caused? God's made a whole bunch of promises. Abraham has followed in obedience. But now Abraham might be saying to himself, but now if if I do what God is asking me to do, all of that's going to come to nothing. But Abraham's faith says this, even though this makes no sense to me at all, I'm still trusting God. Genesis 22 and 3, early the next morning, Abraham got up and saddled his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place where God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servant, stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship and then we will come back to you. Now, when he says we're going to go over there and worship, he's not going to go over there and pull out a guitar and sing, it's a happy day and I thank God for the weather. He's going to take out a knife, fully intending to sacrifice his son. And Abraham perhaps realized in that moment that authentic worship huge part of authentic worship is just plain obedience. Yes, yeah, yeah. It's all about recognizing the sovereignty of God, that my response to God is to worship him for who he is, even if I don't understand what he might be doing in my circumstance right in this moment. 
And Abraham's faith in the promises of God says, I don't know how this is going to happen. But I'm going to go up this mountain right now with my son, fully intending to do what God has told me to do. I don't know how it's going to work out, but I do know one thing that God has made a promise that through this son will come a nation. And God provides a substitute. Friends, every time that kind of worship takes place in the pages of God's word, breakthroughs happen, God shows up. God broke into the battlefield with Jehoshaphat. God broke through on Job's worst day and even though he went through this time not knowing what God's doing, he never cursed God. And God brought restoration. Abraham, in the last moment, as a result of his absolute obedience to God, trusting God, knowing God, don't understand God, but I trust you. God breaks through. In the New Testament, Paul and Silas, thrown into a Roman prison cell. Acts 16.22, the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell, fastened their feet in the stocks. And about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. What an incredible response to a pretty bad day. The other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundation of the prison was shaken. And all at once the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. My crazy imagination just sees God looking down. Going, angels, come and have a look at this. Look at the way these guys are worshipping. Look at the circumstances they're worshipping in. This is amazing. This is how you guys worship me. He says, you know what? We need to get involved. And there's breakthrough. I'm going to ask the team to come back this morning. Because, friends, being moved by those opening images, examining our own heart, examining the basis of our worship, it is deeply challenging. And again, I think we see the highest and purest forms of worship in the most unlikely of environments and circumstances. But then interestingly, there is a contrasting story. And Israel in their disobedience is taken captive. And then they come into Babylon as prisoners. And they're waiting it out in Babylonian captivity. And in Psalm 137 and 1, we have this lament. By the rivers of Babylon, we sat and wept when we remembered Zion. There on the poplars, we hung our harps. For there, our captors asked us for for songs. Our Our tormentors demanded songs of joy. They said, sing us one of the songs of Zion. 
But how can we sing the songs of the Lord in a strange land? Friends, can I encourage you this morning? Don't hang up your harps. You might feel like you're in a strange land today. Maybe you're going through a trial. Maybe you're facing difficulties. God knows that and he understands that. What he doesn't understand, and I'm sure this was the same towards Israel in this Babylonian captivity, why can't you worship me in a strange land? The place may be strange, but God is the same. And if we can learn to lean into him and to worship him the same, no matter the ebbs and flows of life and the challenges and the trials. God's going to break through. Because that's authentic worship. Because the true basis of authentic worship is not about how we feel, it's about who God is. And we've got to carefully examine our hearts and say, God, What is the basis for true worship in my life? I hope you're not the kind of person that wakes up every morning and goes, Oh, woe is me. But rather in maturity of faith, as we come to that place of acknowledging God for who he is, that we can wake up every day, no matter what the day might bring no matter what our current circumstances might look like, to be able to wake up every day and say, the Lord is good and his love endures forever. To learn to become people who truly know what it is to worship God simply because he is God. We don't subjectively worship his performance. We worship his person. We worship him for who he is, not what he does. Let's stand to our feet this morning. Father, we raise our hands before you, Lord God. We do this authentically, Lord God, acknowledging you for who you are. You are Lord over every circumstance. Nothing that we face is a threat to you. Forgive us, God, when we've made our expression of worship all about me. Father, when I least feel like praising you, it's when I most need to do it. And this morning, Lord, we just declare your faithfulness in all circumstances, even if we don't understand the circumstances right now, we know that you are moving. We know that you are sovereign, Lord God. We know the same God who has delivered us in our past is the same God who is working right now and will deliver us in the future. We thank you, God. We worship you. The Lord is good and his love endures forever. Father, we thank you this morning. We thank you this morning, Lord God, for this challenge. May we be authentic worshippers, walking with confidence because God is. We thank you, Lord. And Father, right now there may be people here who have never, ever confessed their need for Jesus. Friends, I pray that you would know the love of God in your life. That you would know the peace and the hope, the joy, the forgiveness that only a relationship with God can bring through Jesus. And all you've got to do is call upon Him. Confess the name of Jesus. Confess your need for Him. And so while every head is bowed and every eye is closed, would you raise your hand if you just want to join me in a prayer right now? 
want to commit your life to Jesus, just raise your hand and I'll pray with you. Awesome. Awesome. Father, I thank you for those who are saying yes to you. And I pray, Lord God, right now, there would just be that sense of your Holy Spirit just tapping on those hearts saying, this is good. I love you. I love you. I accept you. This is real. And for those people, I just pray this prayer and you can just repeat this in your heart. Jesus, I, I just give you my life. I don't know it all, but I know I need you. I'm not in a right relationship with God and I desire to be. And I ask you just to come into my heart, just occupy my life. I thank you for the cross. I thank you for forgiveness. I thank you the old has gone and today the new has come. I'm a new creation in you. And I pray that I can live every moment knowing you, drawing closer to you, that your word would come alive, that I just know that I know that I know that I'm a son or a daughter of the most high and living God. Father, I ask your forgiveness. I choose to turn away from my past in repentance and turn to you in faith. And I say, Jesus, by your Holy Spirit, come and fully occupy my my life as Lord and Savior. I give you my all. Now, Father, help me to live the life you've called me to live. Letting go of the past, pressing into you for my God-ordained future. Thank you for your gift of eternal life, and I receive that right now with a grateful heart. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen and amen. I, I just want to encourage you, if you're visiting here today, this is, as Pastor Dave said, a safe place. And uh, I, I love this church. You can trust the people of this church, the ministry of this church. Uh, and uh, I just so endorse Pastor Dave and Rochelle as the lead pastors of this church. They are people of great integrity. So this is a safe place for you to put roots down, to be encouraged by others on a journey of faith. We don't, not one of us pretend that we know it all, we've got it all together, but we passionately pursue God. And I say that as a non-paid endorsement, as a visitor. But... If you have said yes to Jesus this morning, I know there is members of the team that would just love to connect with you because we just want to walk on that journey with you. Just helping you understand the fullness of who God is and the fullness of who it is that God has intended you to be. And so I really encourage you to connect with somebody today. If you would like prayer this morning, the altar is open. Maybe there's things you've got to lay down before God. Maybe there's shifts that have got to happen. Maybe there's situations you've got to make praise declarations over. Let's do that as we continue to worship this morning. God bless you. Amen. Amen. I think we're going to have a good week this week. Amen. Who would like to hear one more song? One more song from Peter. I just asked him, I said, Peter, could you do one more song before we all go? Could you put your hands together for Peter as he comes? Thank you. You can grab your seat. Well, if you want to.
some say I'm foolish mm-hmm. And some say I'm brave But I'm no fool and no hero But in his presence I'm saying And David said Thank you, Peter. Really enjoyed your ministry today. Thank you. Can I stand up? Stand to our feet. And Father, we just thank you for the ministry today. Thank you, Lord. It's been rich. And Lord, we're going to step into our week with our head held high. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, Real Life Church. Let's go and have a cup of tea and coffee.